Okay, I need to make you louder. Baby shark, do 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 do. <laughs> I love it. Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark. Today's episode is sponsored by The Artist Incubator. If you're ready to take your current art business to the next level, I have spots available to work with me. Go to shulmanart.com forward slash B-I-Z to apply. It's the Inspiration Place podcast with artist Miriam Shulman. Welcome to the Inspiration Place podcast, an art world insider podcast for artists by an artist, where each week we go behind the scenes to uncover the perspiration and inspiration behind the art. And now, your host, Miriam Shulman. Well, hello, this is your host, artist Miriam Shulman, and you're listening to episode number 105 of the Inspiration Place podcast. I am so honored that you're here. Today, we're talking all about what to say when you want to sell an art class or maybe your art. So to help me out with that, I've invited an amazing copywriter to talk to me. If you feel like you need to be in the mood or be inspired, or have something big and awesome to say, or you need flowery language, that is what we're here to talk about today. So in this episode, you'll discover the counterintuitive secret to getting your creativity flowing so you can come up with endless ideas for your Instagram captions, emails, and social media posts, how to blast through blank page syndrome and feel confident about your writing. And by the way, this works especially well when you have no time to write. We'll also talk about the three biggest mistakes artists make when they're trying to write and the legal cheating way to have inspiration on demand. Plus my guest's number one rule of writing words that will help you sell more art and more spots in your art classes. And like I hinted before, we're going to talk about why you don't need to use flowery language to sell your art. And of course, we'll talk about what really works. Today's guest is an expert copywriter, copy coach, and epiphany creator. With a background in creative writing and over 14 years of experience, she's worked with industry leaders like Ryan Levesque, Todd Herman, Josh Turner, Selena Sue, and more. Oh, and, and me. She's also worked with me. She's the best kept secret until now. Her elegant narrative driven and conversation focused copy has brought in tens of millions in sales. Well, I'm not making that, but she's helped me make a lot of money. Brought in tens of millions of sales for her clients, which is why she is otherwise known as the launch expert. Our guest also coaches business owners, this, oh, this is where I come in, to write their own effective copy, nurture their confidence, creativity, and productivity with her one-on-one coaching, copy lab membership program, and self-paced courses. Please welcome to the Inspiration Place, Danielle Weil. Well, hello, Danielle, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, actually, I moved you up on the calendar because yesterday... One of my artist incubator members, she's offering an art class and she says, well, what do I just have to say? Farm animals and that's it? It's like, no, no, you have to tell them why they need the class. 
So I told her, don't worry, I'm recording this with you and they're going to get that information soon. So let's dive in and talk about it because I know that yeah, my students really need this. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Okay. So let's start off with that limiting self-belief, Danielle, about writing flowery language. And do you know what they're talking about when they say that? You know, I have to make something that is super compelling and super hypey and sounds like the best thing in the world and go on and on, right? That kind of, it has to be perfect. Mm. It has to sound amazing. I think that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. You know what? I never asked them what they mean by that, but I've heard it several times, that exact phrase. I think they meant like, you know, sugary when they talk about the art that has all these extra adjectives and words, maybe. Well, because extra adjectives and saying, you know, all the superlatives, this is the best. That's actually the opposite of what you want to do in copy. And my approach to writing is kind of clean, elegant, straightforward. My background is in creative writing. So every word that you're writing should be there for a reason, right? Yeah. So you don't have to put in lots of extra words that don't need to be there. The other cool thing about writing to sell, whether it's more of your art or courses, is that simple language works. But there's got to be some happy medium between the belief that I have to write flowery language and then the belief that I just have to put the name of the course and a price. So absolutely, there's somewhere in between. There is somewhere in between. The way that I like to talk about it is talking about a bridge that you're taking someone across. On one side of the bridge is someone whipping out their credit card and going, yes, please take my money. The other side of the bridge are those people, your ideal collectors, your ideal people waiting over there for you to take them across. And it's your job with the words that you use to build that bridge for them and make it really, really easy for them to walk across. So how do you do that? How do you do that? This is when I talk about creating a narrative, a sales narrative. It sounds intimidating. It's not. There are four parts to it. Part one is where your ideal collectors are right now. Where are they? What are they feeling? What are they experiencing? What do they want? Painting that picture. Let's do it this way today because we've been talking inside my free Facebook group, The Artist Profit Lab. We're talking a lot Mm -hmm. about building art classes right now. Mm -hmm. So why don't we do it if they're trying to sell an art class, whether that is an in-person class because COVID is over or an online class, because that will be for a lot of my listeners that they do teach art, whether it's online or in-person. Can we pretend it's an art class? Okay. You know, and when we were writing some of your pages for your classes, we talked about this as well. Yeah. But let's not do it for me. Let's pretend we're doing it for your mother. So Danielle's mother is an artist. She is, yes. yes. What kind of art does your mom do? My mom works a lot with acrylics and textures. She came to visit before the world went crazy. And she came and my husband bought her a canvas, huge, big white canvas. She was here for a week. He asked really, really nicely if she would paint us something for the wall. So and she nice. sat down in like... He won a took lot her, of points with his mother-in-law that day. 100%. Yeah. And she was so excited. And she yeah. sat down and she painted this amazing view of our, our sunset. We actually live right on, not on the beach, but we can see the Mediterranean from my office window. Yeah. And could you tell everybody where they live? 
You went to NYU. You're from Florida. I went to NYU. They, I grew up in, in Florida. I live in Israel. So yes, cool. I've lived here for the past 12 years. I can see the Mediterranean outside of my window. My mother painted this view. It was just gorgeous colors of the view outside our window. Let's pretend your mom now wants to teach an art class painting the landscape with acrylics, mm-hmm. which may not be the name of the class, but that's, that's what we're dealing with. So think about the ideal person who would want to take this class. You know, where are they in life? What do they want? What do they want to get out of it? Because it's not just, oh, I want to learn how to paint this thing. That's the surface level. What will that do for them? What's the emotion behind it? So let me help you out with that since I seem to know a lot about people who want to take art classes. Mm -hmm. So Danielle's mother lives in Florida, as does my mom. We haven't established if they they live in the same neighborhood or anything, right? Not yet. (laughs) We have not played Jewish geography (laughs) yet. No, No. my mom lives on like Ocean Boulevard or whatever that thing is called down there. Oh, Um, A1A, close by. Oh, okay. Yeah, we should visit at the same time. So let's pretend that your mom, you know, she can teach in her community center. All these women who are quarantined or stuck in Florida, well, they're, they're not in lockdown anymore, but my mom was so bored out of her mind in like April and May. She was like crawling the walls. So like I used to think about her whenever I was selling art classes, people not necessarily in Florida, but that were in lockdown or looking for something to do because they're stuck at home. So mm-hmm. let's, let's use that as our customers. Okay. So someone who's stuck, they're feeling maybe stressed by the situation. They want connection. Yeah. They want a way to process emotions, a way to mm-hmm. escape. So these are all of these things that you can kind of sit down and just maybe jot down a couple of points. What is someone looking to think or feel as they go through? What do they really want? Okay. So for your mom, it's teaching landscape. So maybe it's the going into that imaginary adventure of going you know, through the paintings. You can travel through your imagination by painting other scenes. Mm-hmm. Now I know that's why I like to paint landscapes. Yeah, that's great. So Danielle, I was also thinking about my Pet Portrait Academy and the emotions about why people want to learn how to paint pets is because they love their pets and their pets are part of their family. Would that be step one of the process or am I jumping ahead? It is. It's really figuring out before you come with the solution you know, here's what my art class is going to, how my art class is going to solve the problem. It's really first identifying what the problem, what the core desires are. It's kind of thinking about it, matching your ideal student over here, what they want, and then how are you going to come and fulfill that? What is unique about your class, the way you teach, your style, the subject matter, that is going to fulfill that for them and making sure that they match. It might just be easier if I walk through the whole narrative and then we can break down each piece. Perfect. Let's do that. And we decided to drop Mother's Imaginary Course in case she's listening. Hi, Mom. Okay. (laughs) All right. So first step, Pet Portrait Academy, someone who wants to paint, they want to get better at painting portraits and they want to get better 
at painting their pets because they love their pets and they want a way to capture that and have those memories. If you want to learn how to paint your fur babies and you know have memories and express your love for your pets through art, I get it. That's the second step is the I get it step. Why are you the one to teach them? I get it. I am you know, someone who has taught portraits for XYZ years. I have seen so many students who want to do this and who are excited about doing it, yet they don't necessarily have the tools or the skills or the confidence to do it in the way that they want to. Step one is the problem. Step two basically says, I understand your problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's exactly perfect. right. Okay. Let's go to step three. Step three is here is the solution right? Here's what I discovered and why it's unique. So step three is Pet Portrait Academy is a simple way to learn how to paint your fur babies, your pets, your loved ones, because, and here's where you pull in the way that you teach unique. What is that one thing that makes your course special or different? And it's okay. It can take some time to get to this and that's okay. But think about, and it might help to ask someone else actually, because it's, it's sort of hard to see your own perspective. So it might be worth asking someone who knows you well, who knows, you know, what you teach and how you teach or your, your students, if you've taught art before, what is unique about the way that you teach? And that will help reflect back. I feel like there's two levels to that unique approach. So it's kind of like just using weight loss because it's so easy. You know, if I were to do an exercise class that was a toning class versus an exercise class that was the Pilates method. So the one level is like you're doing a certain way of teaching that maybe you haven't figured out what your unique framework is. And then there's the next level where I understand the unique framework that really makes my stuff special. I don't want my listeners who maybe are just starting out teaching to feel that they can't start selling an art class just because they don't have the Pilates method or whatever that framework is in place yet because you can certainly offer art classes and sell them without fully understanding yourself yet what it is that makes your special sauce in teaching. Do you agree with that, Danielle? The special sauce is something that develops over time. It will only come out once you start teaching. Yeah. You can't just sort of make it up out of thin air and decide okay, this is going to be my method. It happens the more that you teach, the more you put yourself out there. Taking action is better than sort of waiting for this perfect thing to happen. Yeah, and then really Uh, you could just say the Shulman method, you know, to use myself as an example, because really mm -hmm. what's the Pilates method? Well, it's Joseph Pilates. It's just his last name. Yeah, you're you. You're unique. Right. The way that you teach is unique. The way that you look at the world, the way that you you know, create art is unique. And that's what people will be attracted to. So we're on step three, so which is... problem is one. I understand your problem is two. Step three is I, I have a solution for you. Step four is here's what it is. Got and it. And here's where you talk about the class and how it works and how it's going to fulfill that need, want, desire that we talked about in step one. Beautiful. Okay. So this so- is not actually what we chatted about chatting about at all. No, it's not. <laughs> is it useful? Yes, this is extremely useful because last night 
during the artist incubator, I told you my students, they don't know what to write to say how to sell their art classes. And so the one student I have in mind in particular, she even had an in-person studio. She's transitioning to online. So the issue isn't that it's an online class or an in-person class. It's what do you put on your website or what do you put in your sales brochure to describe the class? You can't just say child's art class. Right. You so really the, have to say, thing, okay, it's from 8 to 12 or, or whatever it is. And what is it they're going to get out of taking it with you? Right. And that's another important thing to remember is that as you're describing your class, you might talk about what you're going to learn, the techniques you're going to teach, right? Okay, so I'm going to teach you how to, you know, paint with acrylics. I'm going to teach you how to whatever the specific techniques are, but don't forget the benefits. Yes. Don't forget the transformation that will happen. Don't forget what's driving someone to go sign up for your course is not so that they can acquire technique ABC. That's might be what they say they want, but what's driving them is the emotion underneath. It's, I want to feel fulfilled by my painting. I want to be more confident. I want to feel like I'm improving. I want to be able to paint my loved ones. I want to create memories. I want to relieve stress. Whatever it is for your people, be sure that you speak to that. And I would also say that for my two clients I'm thinking about right now who teach children's art classes, even though the student is the child, the client is the parent. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So you have to, you really have to sell the parent on the benefits for this class, like, you know, how it's going to make them more calm. It's going to help them process the emotion. So it's like, it's, it's a slightly nuanced approach. Could you speak a little bit about that? So that's what happens when there's two different people. So the decision maker is not the person who's actually going through the class. And that's okay. That happens in a lot of different fields or industries where the parent is the one making decisions. And so you're really speaking to the parent in a way, like here are the benefits for the kids and here are the benefits for you as well. It's a delicate balance, but you're speaking to both in the same way. Yeah. What will the person taking the class get out of it? What will they think, feel, take away, experience, if I were signing up my child for an online art class right now, I would want to know how much the parent has to be involved. Like, does this mean like now I have to supervise my kid? And I'm pointing this out because you have to get into the mind of the person who is going to pay you, the parent, what things that might be objections for them of signing their child up for an art class, whether it's in person or online or anything, whether it's in person or online, is is this age appropriate? It's interesting that you bring up this concept of objections. Yeah. Because they're always going to be with any buying decision or any decision, really, they're going to be objections that come up in your mind. What I like to do with my clients is an exercise of thinking through and making a list of all of the things that you're ideal customer, student, client needs to believe in order to buy? What do they need to believe? And and it could be things big or small. Make that list. They need to believe that they can do it. They need to believe that it's going to, you know, be emotionally rewarding. They need to believe they don't have to get involved. All of those things are your objections. And then once you have that list, 
as you go are writing your description, let's say, or writing your posts, you can answer them in a way that just feels natural. Hey, I'm so sorry to interrupt this juicy conversation, but I wanted to make sure you knew that I do have room inside the Artist Incubator program. If you're lacking a solid strategy and a winning mindset and you're disappointed with your current art sales, I can help you. If you've been listening to this podcast and you found my tips helpful, then maybe it's time to take the next logical step and work with me on a deeper level. The Artist Incubator Program is for artists who want to take their art business to the next level. If you're ready to invest in your art career and join a dynamic community of artists who are doing the same thing, go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz as in B-I-Z to apply now. Those who qualify will get a free strategy call with me. Just go to shulmanart.com forward slash biz. Now back to the show. Now let's go back to our Pet Portrait Academy. Now I had to sit down and write something from scratch. Maybe it's an email to my list about the class. And I just feel so stuck and I have no confidence about what to say. I know you have a technique for blasting through that. I do. Oh, it's, thank God. I was so, so worried the, you were going to say you misunderstood the, my notes here. the number one rule is never write from scratch. Okay. When you say that, that makes me think that like, am I copying? Explain that. No. Okay. No. Important caveat. You do not want to copy, plagiarize anybody. What you want to do is get inspiration from things that are working out there. So if you see an email that really got your attention that you liked, even if it's not about art, even if it's about something else. Okay. So by the way, I tell my incubator clients, it's better when it's not about art because that way, you know, you're much better. Exactly. Yeah. Like subscribe to anthropology or Kate Spade or whatever and see what they're doing. Okay. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to kind of break through blank page is have sort of a file where you save things that you like and then use those as jumping off points to sort of model the style. Just like art, if you're creating a painting, you have an idea. Maybe you take inspiration from a sunset scene outside your window, but the painting that you actually create is inspired by, but doesn't exactly exactly resemble the sunset. It's you know your interpretation of it. So you can model things that are working and are successful without copying them. But having something on the page to begin with giving yourself a starting off point is an easier way in than just looking at the blank cursor going, beep, 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 what do I write? The other thing that I like to do myself to just power through, so to speak, when I'm feeling stuck and I've got a lot to write is what I call the asterisk trick. Oh, what's that? How do I know about that? I'm sure that you've seen me do it. It's the just keep swimming so it's just keep writing. Oh, right, right. That's like you put a pin in it, like you don't stop. Right. You don't stop. You keep going. If you don't have a word, you can't think of like, oh, I want to say this thing or, or I sh- there should be something here about such and such. You'll put like an asterisk there and just keep going. And then by the time you come back and fill it in, usually you'll know what should be there. You don't stop and get stuck and like spend 10 minutes trying to think of the right word. You just keep going. And your brain is kind of in the background working on what that word should be. By the time you come back to it, it's sort of there for you. 
Nice. So that's true of life in general. Like if you're stuck making a decision, just tell your brain to go to work on it later and go on and do something else. Don't you agree, Danielle? A hundred percent. What I like to do is go take a shower, do best thinking in the shower. Right, and, because you don't and, have your phone in there. Well, that too. <laughs> or washing dishes. I have four kids. My sink is always full of dishes. There's always something to wash, especially now that they're all home. So I'll go and bring down the level in the sink as I'm thinking. Usually I'll have something by the time I can see the bottom of the sink. And then the counterintuitive secret to get your creativity flowing, is that also don't write from scratch? No, that is... Oh, okay, good. Something else. Something else. You don't necessarily have an idea what you want to write. You know what you want to talk about. So you know you want to talk about your art class. You want to talk about the work that you're doing. That's eventually where you want to get people to. But you're not sure where to get started. So what I like to do is give myself a limited amount of time to write. The counterintuitive part of this is when you give yourself constraints, you actually free yourself up to be more creative and you'll often do better work, right? They did a study about you had 300 choices of jam versus six choices of jam and people bought more when they had fewer choices. Oh, 100%. I'm always telling my artists that if they have too many choices, it actually hurts their sales. Right. So if you are thinking, I could write about anything and I've got you know a whole bunch of time to sit down and I'll just oh, write whenever. No, you have 20 minutes, you set a timer and you pick one thing to write about because I believe you can write about anything. It's just a matter of choosing that thing. And sometimes you don't choose it, it chooses you. You're probably going to answer this, but I'm always jealous of those people out there who they write a story about how they ate a tuna sandwich. And then suddenly now they're selling you the course on how to create a webinar. And it's like, whoa, how'd they get there? And how come I don't how have tuna they sandwich get stories? Right. So it does take practice. I'm not, you know, here to say, well, okay, you can, this is super easy to do, although it is definitely a skill worth acquiring. And I break down how to do it in the gift that I have for everyone. Oh yeah. Let's drop that URL right now. Danielle generously put together a freebie for us. Just Creativity for- Blockbuster. Yes. And you can get that at DWCopy dot com forward slash TIP. And by the way, in case you don't know, TIP stands for the inspiration place. I thought it stood for tip, by the way. I was like, oh, it's nice. It's a tip. Um, also a tip. <laughs> it's yes. also a tip. Holy cow, this is a really generous resource. So dwcopy.com forward slash TIP. Okay. So how do you write emails or write posts or write about your tuna sandwich? Yeah, I don't eat tuna sandwiches, by the way. I don't know where I, don't I came either. up with that. Not a big fan of tuna. No, I wrote an no. email recently about how my husband rolls the toothpaste tube and I don't. Oh, luckily my husband and I both just squeeze it. <laughs> squeeze it the heck out of it. No rolling. Right. So you, you can write about anything. You know, you might be thinking, okay, well, what is someone reading going to care about whether you roll the toothpaste or not? Yeah, I I never understood how they get from rolling the toothpaste to Pet Portrait Academy. It's all about the lesson. It's all about finding the connection, right, between the story, the thing that happened to you, the underwater deep sea diving 
or whatever your topic is that you are choosing to tell the story about and where you want someone to go. So before you write, think about where is it that I want someone to get to? What's the goal of what I'm writing? And then you know where you're going, right? It's like putting into the GPS. Well, okay, I'm going to the grocery store. That's my destination. And you know the path to get there. You kind of know where you have to take people in your story. That still sounds really hard to me. That sounds hard, huh? Yeah. I don't know how to get them into the moral of the story. I mean, do you recommend that we keep a story bank? Because like, I do tell a lot of stories. I just never know how to pick one out of the air. Mm, so you know, like I, can, I tell the story about the shark. Actually, my listeners haven't heard that story. Tell the story about the shark. There's no story. I told you the story. I saw a shark and now I'm afraid to go into the water again, which is like kind of silly because they tell you when to get out of the water because they know when there's a shark coming because they have sonar to get ready. So, okay, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do this very imperfectly. So is that like how, am I like the lifeguard of the art class? Like trying to help make sure they don't get eaten by sharks or am I doing this all wrong? Danielle's making okay. such a face at me like she just, like I just handed her a tuna sandwich. No, this is so fun. Okay, so the shark. Yeah, the what shark. What were you feeling when you saw the shark? That's the trick. The okay, trick so, is to always okay, go so back to the emotion. Danielle knows what I'm talking about, but I was on vacation last week and there was a freaking shark 50 yards from shore, like actually in the shallow water where I was swimming the day before. I was f- completely freaked out. Now, they had cleared the beach, in case you're wondering. It wasn't one, like the movies where everyone screamed and ran out. Like, they had warning before the shark came. There was some woman, like, down the beach who was still in the water. I wish they had someone gotten her out of the water. She looked like lunch down there in the water. But is that not a good story? Because there's no it's ending It's a great there? story. I think it's so, a great too. Story. I can't wait to use it. I want to use it. So the story I mean, itself, like, think about... I'm like a mental patient telling it over and over again to people. I saw a shark. It doesn't have to have a beginning, middle, and end. It can honestly oh, okay. literally be just one day there was no shark in the water and the next day there was a shark and it was terrifying. It was terrifying, but it was thrilling at the same time. And it was like really, like I was really, ooh, I got to see it. You know, that feeling. What of, is that you know? feeling of being terrifying and thrilling at the same time? And what does that have to do with maybe painting something new? Yo, that's exactly what it feels like to paint something new. It is terrifying and thrilling at the same time. You nailed it. So the trick is to think not about the story and this happened and then that happened and then this happened. What's it like and what's the analogy? Think about the feeling and how you can take that feeling or thought or lesson and relate it to what you do. Okay. Or where you're going. All right. But but am I right to think that where I'm going is I'm the lifeguard in this metaphor, like for my art students. Like I'm going to make sure that they don't actually get eaten by a shark. Yes. As long as they're staying in those 200 yards that is being guarded by the shore. But that woman who was past that area, who was in the water, clueless. I don't know what, I don't know what her problem was, but I seriously, you, Danielle, I really wanted to go down the beach, run down her and pull her out of the water. I didn't understand why she was in there and why yeah. nobody was doing anything about this very juicy snack <gasps> down there. Painting something new is both thrilling and terrifying. At the same time, well, learning a new skill. Well, that woman down the shore is like the people who don't sign up for the art class and is trying to do it on their own. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yes, because, yes, yes. All right. So it can feel scary, but also really exciting at the same time. It can almost be like, but you've got to stay in the safe zone 
and you've got to have someone looking out for you and walking you through it, telling you where it's, where is okay, where is not okay, where there be sharks. Okay. And by the way, this was, I know people are wondering, this was an 11 foot shark. It was a white shark, you know, the great white, the same kind in the movies. It was just as scary as the movies seeing this thing it just kind of rose from the like i said where is it where is it and somebody pointed and they're like you could see it rise from the deep and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you could see the dark outline in the fin and it's like very quiet and moving quickly (laughs) now i'm getting scared i know it was like whoa what mistakes do you see artists make when they're trying to like did you see me already running into anything there with a mistake i think the biggest mistake is not thinking about the emotion involved Right. It's right. It's like staying, not thinking it's about staying the on the surface. This is the class. This is the price. You have yeah. to meet someone where they are. Okay. Because people make decisions. They buy based on emotion. They don't necessarily buy based on logic. Even if they say they do, there is always some component of emotion involved. They want not, again, I'm going to learn this YZ. They want how that's going to make them feel. Mm. And so if you can speak to that and then they trust you to take them there, they trust you to give them that feeling, make them feel safe, be the lifeguard for them. By the way, <laughs> totally ruining our analogy. I did not feel safe going back in the water the next day. Like that was very uncomfortable for me. Like I was like, no, there was a shark here yesterday. I don't think I can go back in. Yeah, that kind of ruins the analogy. <laughs> right, I know. No, but there were other people going in and they knew there were sharks. They had like these big signs everywhere saying there are lots of sharks in this ocean. So here's the question. Do you trust the lifeguard to look I, out for I know. you? I do and I should. I mean, they honestly, they have this buoy that checks for sonar that like lets you know way before the sharks get close enough to actually eat you. I mean, that's the whole point of swimming. I mean, you would all those say. stories you hear about that woman in Maine who got eaten by a shark. I don't think the shark ate her, but she died because the shark attacked her. It's because she wasn't swimming in a lifeguard beach. Usually those are the people who get bitten by sharks. It's because they, they were doing their 8 a.m. swim. You know? So to take the analogy one step further, you would want to tell people like, hey, plus we've got the sonar looking out for you to oh, make sure right. that you get alerted when there are sharks. <laughs> right. You know, we've got lifeguards 24-7. We've got, you know. a Facebook um, group. Right? (laughs) Here are all the ways we're going to make sure you do not get eaten by the shark. That's right. And lifetime access. (laughs) Okay. So three mistakes. So one mistake is not talking about emotion. Number two. Number two is skipping the steps. Right. So so the four steps we talked about before. Right. And forgetting the benefits. That's number three, forgetting the benefits. That's number three is forgetting the benefits. Yeah, that's huge. Even if, let's say, you know, you're selling paintings and it just feels like, oh, yeah, you know, someone sees it, they like it, they don't like it, they resonate it with they don't. But there's more to it than that. It's, is it going to fit my space? Is it going to be something that I'm going to want to look at in five years? Is my husband going to like it? You know, there are all these other things around the decision. And again, there some of them are based on, you know, objections that you should think through. And some of them are based on emotion. To bring it back to the art class, one mistake I saw one of my clients do is she was talking about her art class for children. Painting is fun. I said, yeah, but a lot of things are fun. 
So you really mm-hmm. have to talk about, well, what makes this fun that they can't get from just giving their kid, I don't know, um, something specific. else. Yeah. Specific. Specificity. Yes. They, thank you. Specific. I still can't say it. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> yeah. So what, what is the benefit, but what is the benefit that can only be from your thing? Because they can put a mirror over their sofa. They don't have mm-hmm. to put a painting over their sofa and they don't have to put your painting over the sofa. So just to bring it back off the conversation to selling your art, the most important thing is to have them emotionally connect with either the painting or with you, or preferably both. Mm-hmm. And the way that they do that is you show them that you understand where they're coming from, where they are, you know, what they're thinking or feeling, what they want. And then you show them that you show them your story. You tell them your story, give them a way to resonate with you. And then once you do those two things, then you're ready to say, well, here, here's what I have. And by then they feel that you've created this relationship. Yeah. The relationship is so important. What do you do with a blank canvas? Where do you start? So I am a very representational painter, concrete. It's not that I'm doing photorealism per se. It is my interpretation of what I'm seeing, but I do have a structure and a format, and that's what I teach inside of both Pet Portrait Academy and Watercolor Portrait Academy is that, like we talked about before, if you're copy, that legal cheating way of starting with a photograph and moving from the photograph to your finished painting. Inside Watercolor Portrait Academy, for example, the model for the main lesson is Talia. And it's so interesting how everyone's using the same exact photograph and my techniques, how many different versions of Talia that there are that all mm-hmm. look like her but all look very different because the painter's personality does come through it. It's so interesting. And I think that's actually a perfect analogy to writing copy because, you know, people tend to think, oh, I have to be creative to write. It's more about the structure than anything else. Every piece of sales copy, every piece of writing, every page, every email has a structure to it. We talked a little bit about it, you know, with the narrative and the four pieces, But the point that I want to make is that once you know what the structure is, once you can kind of see, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to tell about myself, I'm going to talk about the problem, I'm going to talk about my solution. Once you know the structure, it really is like a formula. Then you can kind of put your own twist on it because you are unique. And as long as you are following the structure, you will come out with something that's totally you. That makes me feel so much better about everything. It really does, because now I can actually see what you're talking about with the copy structure and how by using that painting structure as a metaphor, dozens of artists can take a picture of Talia, my formula, and the results look different, but yet it still represents my daughter, just different interpretations. Mm -hmm. And using the narrative concept will take you from, okay, this person over here wants a thing. Here's the thing that I have to sell. Here's my class. And you will get them there in a way that works, but is also totally you because you followed the structure because you've taken the skeleton of this formula that works and put your own layers, your own, your own spin on it. 
right? So the, the narrative is not just, okay, here are the four steps. It's really about creating a relationship through words when you can't or, you know, you're not having a face-to-face conversation with someone. Because right. normally we would do that, you know, just as we're talking to someone. And copy and writing is all about creating those conversations when you don't necessarily know how the other person is, is reacting. A lot of times what I tell my clients is what you're really doing with your online website, your emails and all those things is simulating what would have happened if they were with you in person. Exactly. All right. I think that's a really good place to wrap up. So Danielle, can you tell people about your Copy Lab program? It is my group mentorship program for people who want help owning their words feeling confident about what they're writing, getting help with their strategy as well. I did, I think, like a beta version of your copy lab. Is that right? You did last I year. did. Yes. I did. Okay. And then just in case I wasn't 100% clear, I am one of Danielle's private clients. So she does help me do things like take my shark story and turn it into, into sales copies. So. We have a lot of fun. And then Danielle, you also have a done in a day sales page system. So if somebody created a class where they needed a full sales page for it. Would this be for a single sales page or if somebody had a catalog of different art classes? What, who is this for? So this is for someone who is selling, usually selling an art class or a course, and they want an enrollment page for that. What the program does is walks you through the four steps that we talked about in the narrative. Those are basically, once you have those, you are halfway done with your enrollment page for your course. And so the course walks you through step-by-step how to create that, really breaks it down to fill in the blanks, and here's how to create an enrollment page in such a way that you could get it done in a day if you liked. All right, that's awesome. So we are going to link to your website in the show notes, which you can find shulmanart.com forward slash 105. And don't forget... Danielle put together that very special freebie just for Inspiration Place listeners, dwcopy.com forward slash T as in Tom, I as in ice cream, P as in Pat, or T as in the, I as in inspiration, P as in place. That's actually how she came up with it. dw.com forward slash tip. I will link to that in the show notes as well. So don't worry, you will find everything you need right there. Alrighty, Danielle, do you have any last words for my listeners before we call this podcast complete? Yes. The power of emotion, the power of really thinking through what your ideal clients, your students, what they want, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, because people buy based on emotion. And so the more that you can incorporate that into your writing, and it doesn't have to be flowery. It doesn't have to be to go back to that idea of flowery language. It should be the natural way that someone would talk about what they're thinking or feeling. And so you incorporate that language in and it resonates and it makes people feel like, yes, you're in my head. You understand me. That's great. All right. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. So make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button in your podcast app. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave me a review. We've actually made it so much easier for you to do that. You go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash inspire. And if you pop your IG handle at the end of the review, 
I can even give you a shout out on my Instagram stories. If you're international, just send me a DM at Shulman Art. I would love to hear from you. I don't always see international reviews. All right, guys, thanks so much for being with me here today. I'll see you the same time, same place next week. Make it a great one. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Inspiration Place podcast. Connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash shulmanart, on Instagram at shulmanart, and of course on shulmanart.com.